Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, April 18th, 2021. The sheer ID numbers for Friday, April 16th are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 16,778. That's 16778. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 16,779. That's 16779. This morning, A Vision for You presents Spirit is Everywhere. I am curiously open. In step one, we found complete despair, powerlessness. We cannot solve the problem of our compulsive overeating by ourselves. We've realized that anything that comes from our own resources, our will, our effort, philosophies, moralities, goals, or good intentions won't solve our problem of compulsive overeating. Our human resources alone simply aren't sufficient. Step one becomes the foundation of our recovery, the launching pad. The promise of the 12-step process is one of a spiritual awakening, experiences in the spiritual realm, which profoundly alters our reaction to life. As a result of the actions of steps four through ten, the obstacles that were blocking us from our higher power have been removed. We have tapped the unsuspected inner resource of strength by working these steps, and our spirit is awakened. Entering the world of the spirit, tapping an unsuspected inner resource and conscious contact is the culmination of all the other steps. We have taken all the other steps to lead us to begin to sense the flow of his spirit into us. We become curiously awakened and curiously open. Indeed, we are transformed A change occurs in the way we think, in the way we feel, and especially in the way we behave. A new set of conceptions, ideas, and attitudes begin to dominate us as we try to live according to the dictates of our higher power, sensing that this spirit is truly everywhere. Joining us today to share his experience, strength, and hope is Chris B., a recovered compulsive overeater from Missouri. Chris is devoted to our spiritual work and the path of the 12 steps and is grateful for our way of life. And I'm truly grateful to welcome Chris B. to the line this morning. Welcome to you, Chris. Thank you, Leah. Welcome, um Thank you for the warm welcome, the wonderful, loving introduction, and thank you for me to give the service. My name is Chris B. I am a compulsive overeater here in St. Louis, Missouri. And my goodness, it's wonderful. Thank you, everyone on the vision line for your presence, your peace of mind, and uh, for giving me this gift. When I was 29, uh, 2000, 
nine, I was 430 pounds and I was really living a life of darkness, um, one out of ego. And I, I own and honored that. I spent the um, better part of 30 years creating a, um, a different life, uh, creating a life out of ego and self that really led me to what I was searching for in life and what I needed to find. But um, I will begin with this prayer that's set me free so many times and changed my perspective, which is the paradox, or I should say uh, the the uh, paraphrase, the right word, uh, set-aside prayer. So I'll take a breath and say, God, please help me set aside everything I think I know for an open mind, a new experience. Help me see the truth to my situation. Amen. So this person that I was speaking of, who <laughs> me, myself, and I, uh, actually went through life um, losing weight, um, losing 100 pounds, putting it back on, and seeking sensations. As it says there in the doctor's opinion, um, I was looking for an external reason to live. And I was living and out of my value. Uh, that I saw it from others, whether it was attaboys, approvals, or uh, criticisms. I lived, I mean, moment to moment. That was my life. Whether uh, you were a friend, a, a colleague, a family member, I really feel that's who I was. <laughs> I was on stage since I was uh, six months old, I, or I should say six minutes old. My father said, we brought you home and you were smiling, laughing, and um, you were getting us all going. And then we left the room and you would, um, you know, cry, you'd bawl. And that's just a story. I, I could even share this. Uh, I was asked recently about origins. And I'll just open up and share because um, glum is not where I come from. <laughs> but I actually know, I, I don't know how. Uh, this came up in conversation with my father, but where I was conceived in 79 and the, the situation or the, the barbecue and whatnot. So uh, I don't have to share that entirely, but it's just a, uh, a humor, humorous origin of God and how I was created <laughs> in a barbecue. But anyways, uh, I uh, digress. I needed to find what my pain was about. I was just trying to figure it out and I'm seeking answers if I was really honest um, with myself. At age 29, um, I met a friend and um, through a networking organization and somehow months later I was on a flow trip and this friend saw something on my shoulder. I was 430 pounds in a river here south of um, southern Missouri, hot summer. I don't know how he saw it on my shoulder because I always wore my shirt when I was at a, a pool or um, river or flow trip and um he saw the spot and i thought it was just cosmetic removal that developed i thought it was say a wart or something like that anyways he put his hand on my shoulder and said chris that's got to go it's i've lived in california mexico i've had several of these removed and um i a month later the dermatologist said that's coming off um and i was like well, what do you mean he said well you're coming back at uh, four o'clock today we're going to remove that and I bring that up because my non-reaction to that surgery on the spot was um, who I became. I mean, I went out and partied that night. I didn't remember. I'm like, ah, eh, that's 
kind of far for the course for where I'm at in my life. And a few weeks later, it came, turned out to be a melanoma. I mean, that was a serious God wink of <laughs> you met this friend and flow trip. And so all these circumstances that were well outside of my doing to save my life, I wouldn't be here if I um, hadn't gone on a flow trip or, or met that friend or so on and so on. And um, I didn't really care at the time. I was like, uh, you know, thanks. <laughs> this is a really a uh, life that I, I value. And um, my non-reaction kind of opened my eyes. Um, a year later, I was unemployed and just in this severe depression and I envisioned my funeral and I saw my parents, I saw my, my brother, and this is actually a positive practice for um, self-development side of like, you know, who's going to say, what are they going to say about you? And in this way, I was feeling head to toe, everyone there involved with my funeral and their pain because I didn't have any pain. I was like, well, that's, that makes sense. That's where I'm headed. And I'm 30 at this point, 30 years old. Um, so I felt all of their emotion. I'm like, I will not do that to my parents. I won't put them through. And that helped me get with my second therapist. And a year later, got into program and started hearing my story, which was other compulsive readers sharing that they obsess about food, that this is a dominating thought that controls their life. And I didn't realize that it wasn't just hereditary. It wasn't just, well, there's, there's overweight people and then there's me and there's skinny people. And there was so many things that I kind of normalized there in the uh, doctor's opinion where it says I was seeking a sensation. I think it's so elusive that just, I couldn't differentiate the truth from the false. So injurious. And this was the only normal life that um, I knew. And um, 2011, I, I became employed six months into the program, and I really heard a lot of, well, we're, we're so alike, this is for me. And I would spend weeks outside of meetings and come to meetings, but I basically uh, lost a couple hundred pounds. I mean, more than I ever lost before. And at first, 18 months of program and I experienced something remarkable. I was in a newcomers meeting, my home group, and um, I was an obsession while a speaker was speaking. I mean, how powerful my projector is, my obsession in the mind that I'm listening to someone's story and I'm already down the frozen food aisle. I'm already there. And I'm like, here we go again. This is, <laughs> this is a very familiar. I'm just, um, this is my ritual. I'm excited. I'm, uh, it's on. It's, I can't turn this off. I can't do this here. This is just who I am. I'm in obsession. I'm living there. And I started speaking with a um, fellow. I did something different. I didn't hit the door. <laughs> Got to go. That's the hour. Cool. Back to my life. See you, OA. See you, fellows. I spoke with a fellow. It was new to the program and we're out in the parking lot with a, um, what I call fellowship. And, uh, I think it was a half hour later and I'm listening to the fellow and I'm sharing and as I'm listening, I'm like, Whoa, the, the obsession actually was lifted. Uh, this is, this is new. What is this? 
And, and it was this power that came in that said, <laughs> I mean, looking back on that hindsight at the time, I was just like, this is what, what just happened. The obsession went away. I'm actually going to go home. I don't feel the obsession. I'm not feeling any kind of compulsion to go to the store or live that ritual out. And that was the first time I had peace or the obsession with another compulsive reader doing fellowship. Um, a few years later, <laughs> I actually downward spiral of what manifested in my life as binging and purging, um, made more money than I ever made in my life, um, was self-employed, high rise, a condo, a sports car, insatiable girlfriend, <laughs> all those things I thought I valued. And as a sensation seeker, those are things I was like, yes, this is the beautiful life and how naive I was. Those things were all just manifestations of my ego. And I'm insatiable at my ego. At my core level, outside of God, I'm very insatiable. And I found suffering like I never suffered before, even at that lower weight. I was back in the food, even at all those things I thought I valued, and it scared me beyond anything I'd ever experienced. And I was ready. I was finally ready to recover. I was ready for something else, and it felt like dying. <laughs> I laughed because I'm, you know, it's not something that I, I share I, with anyone else outside of vision or compulsive readers that it felt like dying, how dark it is before the dawn. It's so true. And so, oh, at the core level, it hits me. Um, it's really, I, I'd been living life. Fear that just shot like a fabric for all my existence is what I created throughout 30 years. And now at that point, about 34 years before the sponsor saw my suffering, saw that I was now living in my brother's basement now out of business, now broken up from a toxic relationship, all these things, and just broken, just a drowning man, my sponsor, uh, like a, a lion seeking on a gazelle. <laughs> he just he got up in my face and um, in, in a, a loving way, so I was suffering. And he said, are, are you with a sponsor? And I said, no. And he said, I can't recover alone. What do you want to do? And we started the work the next day. I think it was February 3rd of 2015. We began big book work. We got right into the doctor's opinion. It just rocked my world. I was open to the words and the doctor's opinion like I never was before. I mean, this three-part side of the first half of step one, being powerless, just shook my world. This idea of phenomenon of craving that I put something in my body and I have a physical allergy. This idea of using a dictionary to look up words that I think I know, <laughs> like obsession, like compulsion. And the truth is I, I have a body that cannot digest these alcoholic foods, these sugars, these... Um, synthetic, whatever they are, for me, all these things that just turn my body and my mouth into like fireworks. Like I can't digest those. And I have a mind that is obsessive enough 
system refuses to remember that. So when I do ingest those substances, they become the most important thing in my life. Food becomes more important than my job, my family, anyone I care about, my own life. And my obsession will refuse to remember that. It's so powerful. Um, that again and again coupled with <laughs> page 77. I remember being just so broke spiritually, so broke financially. I, I couldn't even uh, afford contacts. I couldn't afford a phone. And yet the message found me. I think we had to tap into Wi-Fi. I had a broken screen smartphone. It would call my sponsor, uh, I think it was a Google number. God made that possible. Um, I couldn't receive inbound calls or something weird where it was like an actual phone number at the time, but I could only make outbound calls. It was just the goofiest thing ever. Um, so imagine getting a job like that. I can't answer a recruiter's phone, <laughs> but I can call them back. So please answer the phone when I call you and try to explain that level of unmanageability. It was, it was definitely a spiritual uh, playground. But page 77 helped me through that. I remember driving a commute to um, any kind of job. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. I'm so fixated on abstinence. And um, that first bite for years and just discerning between healthy food. And I was so arrogant in what was healthy, what was not. Let me just get back to my life and let me recover. And I never really worked an honest step one. I never really worked an honest step four, for that matter. But um, I was just so broke and ready at that point. Um <laughs> for recovery in every which way. And 2015 was the darkest year and also the lightest year. I humbled myself to be open to this work. I humbled myself to um, work in a restaurant again, to do these things that I thought were beneath me. Um, ended up down to my last $40 at the middle of uh, July. I mean, I remember it like night and day. I got up at six o'clock on a Sunday. I couldn't sleep with fear that level. And um, was listening to a podcast from Vision or LA podcast, one of the two. And even going to the Saturday morning meeting and then just spent fellowship with my sponsor, reading Big Book, and even sponsoring someone else in the basement that that day. And that saved me. Uh, this line, this group, this meeting saved me countless times driving to work at 6 a.m. and everyone saying the serenity prayer. <laughs> that projecting of everyone that's together, connected. It's, it's step 11. It's reaching out. It's all of it. And the one that saves me daily to think about how we are connected. Think about this power that just continues to aid my, my life. That's really what happened in 2015, where I was able to work the big book open and got with a tribe, my sponsor, my grand sponsors, doing this work, the inventory, getting to the spot check inventory of 10, 11, 12, and doing service, as I have at the beginning of my big book, Dr. Bob, clean house, trust God, help others. <laughs> These things that used to own my life no longer are part of my life. Um, and a big part of that 
was this new idea of how to practice powerlessness and how to how to see that um, not just arrive at the dinner time or the dinner plate and whatnot and just say okay I'm spiritual this plan of what am I gonna eat how much am I gonna eat and when and then page 34 in the big book it really hits me for those who are unable to drink moderately the question is how to stop altogether we're assuming of course that the reader desires to stop and then paraphrased here there was a tremendous urge to cease forever yet we found it impossible 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 that's a new word i'm going to create this is the baffling feature of aqua's as we know it, this utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or wish. I mean, I wanted with all my willpower, I used my willpower my whole life to fight off the obsession. I didn't even know it was called the obsession. What a wonderful gift to just call out the obsession and how powerful it is to be live with a sponsor, with another compulsive reader on the phone, on the phone and actually be honest at that gut level. Step one, spiritual principle of honesty. I am <laughs> I am powerless and I need power. Uh, part of that practice is identifying triggering behaviors. I heard someone on Vision say one time removing themselves 10 steps before a compulsive bite or something along those lines. And identifying triggering behaviors in my life was so key. Like what I was doing that led up to a disturbance in the force, what led to a obsession, which for me, it's that time travel. All of a sudden, I'm in front of the refrigerator, and I'm just combing the, the shelves, and I don't even know how I got there. Like, that's not even part of my life anymore. That's a spiritual awakening. <laughs> um, a big one for me at the time in 2015, I didn't have a job or purpose, or then I would wake up and have this to-do list on, I guess at the time, it was DVR or TiVo, and I would just be watching TV. So watching TV throughout the day was a big triggering thing for me. And I honor God. I know that the gut level watching TV, it just is not what I was meant to do at that excess. Um, and another big one for me in step one is going to the grocery store without a plan, just arriving. And I say that with humor because I believe I'm not alone or unique in this and that, um, I have a lot of knowledge when it comes to macros, nutrition, and um, <laughs> food. I think it exists in our walls and in God's world that we have masters in nutrition out there, and yet compulsive overeating still exists. This knowledge did not avail me everything I needed. Uh, so actually, my sponsor helped me with this. My sponsor, I'm like, he doesn't know more about calories and whatnot than I do. I'm, that's, that's me. I'm, I, you know, my arrogance screaming. And he's saying, hey, you're putting the cart before the horse. You have a food plan. We're writing it out. We're good. But you, I mean, he actually said you don't have a food plan. You're going to the grocery store. So you're making it up. And as a compulsive overeater with an obsession of the mind, I can go to the store. And then I don't know how much I need for the next week or, or two weeks. I'll overbuy. I'll be there much longer than I need to. I'll wander aimlessly up and down the aisles. And um, that's a big freedom for me to go into a Costco on a Sunday. I don't know how crazy that sounds. Maybe if you're in LA, it sounds like going to the freeway during rush hour or, or trying to uh, get peace of mind 
uh, on the battlefield. I, I don't know, but Costco on a Sunday here is not somewhere you want to go. I mean, everyone's rushing around, and it's just like, bam. And I'm in and out in uh, 25 minutes. Every time I go to the store and I know what I'm going to get, I'm in and out. I don't have that question. I used to spend so many hours just different stores. That was part of my pool. Man, she is attractive. I'm going to go check out what's in that aisle. That probably is the no-go Halloween aisle, but uh, <laughs> whatever my obsession tells me. But anyways, that was just those two triggering behaviors were huge for me, and part of my story were definitely related to step one, um, along with um, not getting on the phone or living in obsession and believing I need to you know, to battle it with my willpower. Yeah, that's something I can't do alone, and I. I refuse to. It, it's wonderful that I don't live in obsession. It's this click. If I have obsession that says something about eating or anything, I'm on the phone within a minute. I don't endure that um, at all. I give service by jumping on the phone or I get with a sponsor on the phone and it sets me free. I do want to talk about how much spirit is available and even what spirit means. Uh, looking up the word spirit. The definition that related was most relevant and still rings out for me is this energy that gives the mind, body, soul, life. The spirit and malady, this idea of sickness. So if I have a spiritual malady, I'm basically blocked from life itself. What is a spiritual malady? in my life, uh, you know, anything that blocks me from God and from this, this energy, this life that I was meant to live, this ultimate life of fulfillment, um, these higher vibrations of alignment with God, joy, love, acceptance, and also honoring that there is a duality. I honor that I will and can be very ambitious, working <laughs> around the clock. And at the same time, I can also be lazy. I can be both sides. I can be the fullest expression of love. And I can also vibrate low with fear and resentment. And knowing that's part of recovery forward for me. That's really a big part of knowing this is not this perfect trajectory upward linear that's always fluffy clouds and um, and vibrations as I continue to grow I'm trusting God on this narrow path that's upward more than I ever have and I'm asking to trust God I will share in, in 16 my spiritual path just I mean it skyrocketed in a way that was more scary um, like, this is what life looks like without being in obsession. This is what life looks like without being in the food. And that began with the neutrality over my weight. I mean, at the end of 15, I was at um, 195 pounds, which is where I've been for the last six years, 195, 200, roughly, um, with a plan. I weigh myself once a month. That's 12 times a year, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Sometimes I actually forget on the day. I'm like, oh, it's, it's second already. Okay, it's I'll just wait then. But that's something God gave me. Like, I didn't create neutrality. I mean, I used to be on the scale several times daily as a 12-year-old and 
even in my twenties as, you know, several times a week or weekly, whatever it was, but this practice of powerlessness and all 12 steps in this program saved me. Um, 16 began with a new career. My sponsor helped me uh, find I me. Mean, I've been in sales for 20 years. I coupled that with an obsession. Like I could sell anyone on me being in or out of the food <laughs> or how I want to be sponsored. And um, I guess this is exactly what God wanted. But um, found a job that was very challenging. The last thing I ever would have taken in the automotive industry for the last five years. And <laughs> it's a spiritual um gauntlet of recovery from step six and seven to doing spot check inventories to detachment and praying for colleagues, praying for customers, praying for more and praying for others, praying for a different experience. And I will bring this up. We are single purpose, and, but part of this is it, the spirituality goes to all other areas to the point of I'm not using my willpower to be an obsession, I'm definitely not using my willpower to um, to do certain things. I mean, I think the proper use of the will, as it says in the big book, is to ask how God would have me be, and to exert myself in God's honor, to ask, is, is this what, you know, if I'm disturbing myself and just in, if I wake up in disturbance, I want peace. I mean, I'm doing the steps in this book for power and sanity. And that comes from doing this work. Like I can have manageability in my relationships, my uh, finances, my work, my career, with my relationship with myself. And that definitely comes from God. Now, being open to all of that as it unfolds is so much better. It's so much more peaceful for me and, and life and everyone involved, everyone's highest and best interest when I don't have to see how it's going to act. Like, yes, I'm following a plan, but I don't have to see how it unfolds. When I'm curious to that, I'm basically allowing creation in. When I'm open to the next five minutes. Sometimes I have a plan at, at work and it's so easy. Like this is how the plan is going to fold, is going to happen the next 15 minutes and then I get interrupted and something doesn't happen that way. Like that's actually something I'm practicing welcoming in and I've been doing that for five years where I can get in cruise control and just super busy in the day. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. This is, God does have a plan. It was meant better this way. Maybe there's peace here. And um, it's so funny as the food plan was the big beginning practice and I'm so all or nothing, there was never really a gray area. I mean, that's how I created my life and rejoined the human race was <laughs> this newfound fourth dimension of existence of, wow, I don't know how today is going to go, but I have a meal plan. These are the times I'm eating, how much I'm eating, what I'm eating. There's fellowship in between, there's life in between. And I don't know who's going to call me, who's going to answer the call, who's going to be there on the phone or how it's going to happen. But I continue cultivating that question, that relationship with God. And how is this going to be? How would you want me to be? And I will bring this up. Um, first time I shared on a Sunday, I think it was the week I started my current job. <laughs> 
for me, I was, as I shared earlier, I mean, very much skid row when it came to being a compulsive reader and addict. I mean, I was, I didn't know how to live. My ego got the best of me and um, I was full of fear. And here I share on the line three years ago and now I'm still with the same company. That's a miracle for me to be with the same company for three years. Furthermore, later that summer, 18, I, um, I was looking at uh, bankruptcy. <laughs> As I heard um, from a, sp- a sponsoring workshop that someone actually legally discharged a lot of their debt and then paid it back even though they didn't have to. <laughs> I was like, this is the wildest. I- I've got to speak with this fellow and-, and seek their experience. And I did. And uh, even... So I still saw it. I'm like, wow, this is real money. This is like 50 grand that I could write off or whatever. IRS, I had no idea. And I heard the stories like IRS has a separate department just for addicts. <laughs> and maybe they even have an OAAA and beverage and whatnot. But um, either way, I the second month in, I was the number one salesperson at that company. And then I thought, shoot if I need to make this amount for the, for that August, or I won't be able to discharge it, I'll have to do chapter 13. So I was controlling and I felt sick that whole summer. Like when I was doing all the legwork with the lawyer, I'm like, I've done this before when I was 29, this isn't right. There's something, ah, you know, but I, I can just start over. This is, this is okay. I'll start over 50 grand and then clean slate, the second bankruptcy. Okay. And a day out from filing the papers, all that legwork, all that, toxic weirdness, seeking guidance from my tribe and just mm, like thinking about my grand sponsor saying, making actions in fear and a day out, the lawyer called and said, Hey, you have too much money in your accounts, man. You, you gotta get rid of it by a car or the trustee's going to take it once we file. That was God. That was, I was like, there's no way. I'm In my mind, I was like, I have to battle. I'm not going to let these companies win. I'm not going to let the IRS win. All these letters, all these things, they're not going to win. But I wasn't seeing that how much, I didn't see how it was going to hurt me to not lose. I didn't see that what I thought to be was winning was actually losing for me, I was inflicting fear. When did I make a decision based on fear that put me in a position to be hurt? So I didn't file. That was August of 2018. I did things out of program, got with coaches, other experiences. I tripled down on what I was paying. It was financial men's in itself. Um, and I actually was waking up with like sleep apnea type events. Like I was like, wait, wait. I don't have sleep apnea anymore. I tested out and um, got tested again with basically anxiety from paying or what I thought to be losing by paying three times of the minimum payment on all my accounts. And what I'd heard came to be true. 2019, triple my income. How did that happen? <laughs> that is beyond spiritual. That is insane. Spirit is everywhere. And there was a lot of recovery through that. A lot of inventory, a lot of this can't be right. I'm debt free. It's August, 2019. 
and November 2019, I move out of my folks' place and building recovery. There's the caveat of the end zone, the Masters, the Super Bowl. Live with my parents. I'm in my 30s. What do you mean? And I told my dad, I said, hey, I know I owe you guys a lot of money. I'm I'm debt free on all these accounts. I'm getting ready to pay. And he said, wait, wait, son. <laughs> he didn't quote a Lance Skinner song. He, he just said, son, um, you're good. You've been paying us rent the last three, four years. And I added it up and it was actually within a hundred dollars of the amount that I was going to pay him back. It's just, I mean, even with the interest, I just made up like 12% interest I'd pay him. And it was with, I mean, the exact rent that I paid him at that moment of me moving out November 19, debt free. I called the sponsor and he said, wonderful. Allow yourself to be loved. Love yourself. Receive that love. There is spirit everywhere. (laughs) There is love everywhere. It may not feel like it, but my goodness, March 2020. (laughs) I think God wanted me to be debt-free and to be living out on my own and to have a prudent reserve ahead of the pandemic, ahead of all of it, um, through it. I was so fascinated. That was the the, the month I turned 40, March 2020. And um, it was the, the, the month that, that time stopped. I'm so fascinated by time. We got to be little kids again. We got to be, wow, time is so slow. Everything is so new. This is like living a year and a month, a month and a week, a week and a day. What a gift. Um, and it was hard. It was, uh, it was challenging. But I was able to work with a corporation that actually furloughed half of our staff and they changed our plan from a hundred percent commission, which is what I was accustomed to, to guarantee. And it kind of shocked my, my existence. I mean, it just really kind of frazzled me and I, I did a lot of inventory on it and work and service. And a month later in May, we were given the choice to choose between 100% commission or the guarantee, which was kind of unknown. So the information I needed wasn't there. And how used to making decisions without all information I had become or living in fear. Like, well, I need to make this decision that's a month down the road. I'm like, no, it's not even time. But this was different. This was, no, it's time. You have to make a decision without all information. And I did meditation. I prayed. I spoke with a couple um grand sponsor and sponsor it didn't that they had experience but not in the industry i was in and um the choice was i'll be okay um asking god how i could be okay with either or making less money or more money a guarantee or 100 percent commission meditated and then made the decision when i was given the deadline to with my general manager to go with the guarantee um one of five sales reps going with the guarantee. Next morning, I'm actually meditating, and the GM calls me while I'm meditating. I'm like, I, I'll answer it, okay. And uh, <laughs> I usually have it on airplane mode, but for some reason I didn't. And he's asking, like, hey, if we went down another sales rep, would you go 100% commission? And I said, well, sure, yeah. I, I mean, it was like, no, it was off the cuff. It was like, yes. The next day, we went down my favorite sales manager, who I loved working with. And that Friday, we got an email. 2,000 sales reps had actually gone 100% commission. 
And I was like, oh, gosh, I should have done that. I went guarantee. And um, I talked to my GM. He's like, I thought we talked about this. I put you on the uh, commission. <laughs> so here comes the spiritual work the next week of, whoa, long story short, end of that month, broke the store record, make twice as much as the guarantee, continue to do that the next month. And that's just ambition, money. It's, but it is a spiritual experience to me. And it led to so much more growth. Uh, it opened me up to reading more. It opened me up to growing more. I mean, because I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live in self-reliance. I wanted to be not only independent, the duality there of, uh, of my parents or anyone else, but I wanted to be 100% God dependent. And that's a really challenging thing, reality to welcome in when I'm, Two forces are opposing there, two beliefs. I'm like, I want an independence, but yes, I want to be, I need to be God-reliant. <laughs> but nothing short of miraculous has happened as I continue to ask to be open. I continue to ask for peace. And while fear comes up and while things do come up through change and just miraculous growth, and I'm so grateful for all of that, my fellows, my friends. Um, I mentioned reading. I mentioned open myself up and really enjoying life perspective. As uh, Chuck C would say, you know, I think worse than bad fortune for the addict is good fortune. <laughs> and I thought, shit, okay, I better not, you know, make money. I better not do these things. Like that's, that's scary. And I've acclimated to that debt-free existence. I've acclimated to the harder thing, which actually was a win-win for both. I was honoring Tony. God, I was paying off debts. And these miracles happened where some of them are relieved. And these miracles happened where I was like, this is hard. And I'm praying on the phone while I'm on hold with this goofy company. But it was so much better than doing the what seemed to be easy thing, which was filing Chapter 7. It's just an experience um, that... I get to use as an asset recovery that I can share with someone else that has experience, just as the obsession being 430 pounds and owned by my obsession to now asking God for intuition. What, what's the truth of my disturbance right now? What's the truth of how I feel like I'm not going to be okay right now in the next five minutes? How am I showing up and being open to that? And I just want to stress that, I'm so open to the up and the down as part of recovery being, I could have a bad day. Then I have seven good days. I can have a rough week and then an awesome week. Like I was so fixated on this obsession free life. And that's what I thought I needed. So when I had the obsession, I just ran from it. I was like, Oh, I'm not recovering. Right. Okay. Back in the obsession, more food. Like that's not my experience. It comes with, I mean, feeling low vibrations, it comes with, say, it recovery itself with asking for an open mind. And I share this, the last six years have been like 60 years, easy, pain, pleasure, reward, risk, all of it, or that I didn't do alone. Like six years is 60. What does that even mean? Well, I mean, the previous 30 years flew by. I was so routine and normalized in this idea of obsession that 
I just was closed-minded. And throughout all of that was a conscious contact with God, was a step 11, was a page 86, 87 on awakening. I used to do that almost every morning. And it became a different meditation in the morning of breathing, leaning into the resistance of growth, leaning into that resistance of asking God, leaning into resistance of the way I think I should be and the way I think others need to be in order for me to be okay, which is acceptance, asking for new perspectives. Breathing, that's a big one for me, self-loving myself and the moment with breath. I don't even realize sometimes that I'm holding my breath and it's been like a minute and that's making me more anxious or actually fueling the low vibration of fear. Um, I really like things simple, which um, then said, I think it was drop the rock of both emotions. The only two emotions being fear and love behind fear is ego behind love is God and all. And through all of those two, so many more things. And at the core level, asking for more love and asking for less fear, actually, for these things to be removed is pretty powerful in itself. It's humbling, knowing I can't do this alone and that um, this is like the next level <laughs> of existence, this highest and best purpose for God and everyone else, like asking how that is present right here and now. And I think you all have helped me do that, get out of myself um, so much so that um, I finally did it. I did, and I say I, <laughs> I tidied up. I didn't watch the show. I heard about a book, and somehow God brought that to my life, and I thought I needed three hours of cleaning up my place a day to make sure I was clean. Here I've given away most of what I own. Most of these knickknacks, patty wax, and these crisscross applesauce things. <laughs> but I read a book, and it's totally outside of our program, but it's spiritual. I pick up something, and I, and I ask if it's bringing me joy. And that's what I'm going through in the last three weeks, acclimating to a really clean place that doesn't take me hours to keep clean, acclimating to self-love, acclimating to this new life. I make my bed every day. I get on my knees when I wake up and take step one, two, and three and ask how I can be more loving. I'm probably going to sound different if I share or when I share and vision in the future next year and, and so on and so on. And that's the life I choose, one of growth, one of continued experience. The highest and best interest of everyone is to be who they were authentically meant to be. And I'm grateful to share that with you all, guys. Thank you so much, Leia. Thank you, Visions. Thank you, Visionaries. I love you all. Well, thank you so much, Chris, for sharing your personal experience and insights with all of us this morning. Truly hear your joy, freedom, and laughter in your share this morning. A story of a life transformed with all your spiritual work and relationship with God and the spirit around you. Thank you very much. Chris's contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording. Today's share ID number, 16,788. That's 16788 for Chris's presentation today.
We will transition to question and answer segment. You can pose a question to Chris by pressing star one to unmute. Of course, I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Hi, my name is Tina G. I'm a compulsive overeater. Okay, wonderful. One moment. Let's see who else has a question. Anyone else get, like to get on the list? Cynthia C. Cynthia C. Uh, Pam M. Pam M. Sharon F. in Ecuador. Sharon F. Catherine K. Catherine K. Anyone else want to hop on this list? Kathy Joe P. Hey, Kathy Joe. <clears throat> All right, that's a great start. Sorry, C. Sorry, C. Okay, let's start our questions now. I've got Tina G, Cynthia C, Pam M, Sharon F, Catherine K, Kathy Joe P, and Suri C. Mm. Let's get started with Tina G. Thank you. Hi, good morning. Um, my question is, I know you spoke a lot about your material gain and working and being able to meet your financial challenges. Um, yet I didn't hear a lot about how you worked with steps. I heard a lot about at the end about love and growth and, you know, um, you know, daisies and tulips. But I didn't hear a lot about the steps and how you trudge the road of happy destiny. And, and I'm, maybe that's not your experience, but I, I would like to hear a little bit more about that if, if that's in your repertoire. Thank you, Tina, for your question. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, what I was looking for in life is definitely in the big book. Um, what I was looking for in food and excess and all those areas uh, of pain, of, um, of struggle. Chris, star one to mute. Ah, awesome. So uh, what I said will not be repeated. I'll go to the next question. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> can I be heard, guys? Yes. Okay. Thank you, Tina, for your question. Um, you know, what I was looking for in life and food and access of food and everything was actually brought to me from the big book, um, the doctor's opinion in step one. And working the steps was definitely – a big part of that. Um, I mean, as far as step one, that was something I really wasn't honest with myself in the first four years in program and um, working with the big book sponsor and, and going through that step one was the most pivotal life changing experience um, as I didn't um, really discontinue the act of um, making choices or the act of actually being powerless. That's a huge paradox. Like I receive power when I practice and honor powerlessness through my meal plan, 
Um, and I did share uh, many of the steps but in different ways. Um, I do take step one, two, and three when I get on my knees and humble myself every morning next to my bed. And by all means, in 2015, I was able to work all 12 steps after practicing a true, honest step one. And um, even further, step three is one of the most powerful steps I, I do take. But um, I did mention the 10, 11, 12 maintenance in terms of spot check inventory and also Step six and seven is something on uh, practicing gratitude and asking for God's power to remove these beliefs, these defects, these shortcomings, and to replace them, not just to remove them, but actually a vision of God's will and where I see God taking me in terms of showing up. Am I to show up in fear, hostility, control, or am I to show up released? Am I to show up with neutrality? might show up surrendered. As I heard on Vision one time, um, save me, tremendous story back in 15. The fellow, I could not recall her name, her story, I'm not going to share, but the words were, God, I'm yours and I trust you. Through thick and thin, all these challenges, God, I'm yours and I trust you. Step three, this ultimate practice of surrender, God, I'm yours and I trust you. Your will be done, not mine. Those things are powerful, and those have been shared and given to me as gifts that I can practice and in turn share with you all. Thanks for your questions, Tina. Yes, thank you. Cynthia C., your turn. This is Cynthia C. I was unmuting. Did you call me? I did. Oh, sorry. Of course, I'm muting right at that one moment. Um, thank you so much, Leah, for your service today. Um, thank you, Chris. This is Cynthia C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Newton, Massachusetts. Thank you so much for your share, your qualification. I really appreciated the reminder that uh, higher power gives us what we need at the moment that we need it. Um, could you, I would love to hear you drill down a little bit more on your daily practice. Could you delve into like exactly what you're doing in your daily practice, your step 11, maybe even step 10, but mostly step 11? Thank you so much. Thank you, Cynthia. Absolutely. Uh, well, thinking about it, I really used to think, um, oh, I'm here, I'm in OA, and now let me get back to my life. I'm here in OA, and let me get back to my life. I like this coexistence. I was living this double life as a you know, I'm, I'm not shy on dramatics. I like to make things uh, <laughs> cinematic in a story that I'm a secret spy. But, um, as far as daily, it's, it's definitely something that continues to evolve. So I do get up um, and do steps one, two, and three. And first thing in the morning, I have an abundance of time before I have to get to work, which is lovely. I get up earlier than I used to, um, and I read I breathe, I do different um, meditations, different um, breath work, and I journal, right, first thing in the morning. But a lot of times, my subconscious and those, uh, that portal of my subconscious is right when I was dreaming. So I could wake up and 
in fear or something just goofy from my dream is question of what the heck is that feeling coming from? And I definitely need to realign when I wake up. Other times I'm waking up just well-rested and bringing this idea of gratitude into my day. What are these, what are my favorite things that have happened so far? Well, this, this morning it's been my breakfast. I've cooked my breakfast fresh, um, meditation, kind of running through the recovery memory, reliving it with you all. It's been a joy giving the service, uh, connecting, thinking about all the fellows on the line. And as they're with us here in the now, that's, that's been a joy for me. So gratitude has been a definite work. The, I think the second part of the question was a step 10, but I do want to emphasize step 11 is constant. It's always evolving. And I can create this inner dialogue with God. And sometimes when I'm just disturbed and like everything's not going my way, or I just laugh, God, I need you here and now. Where are you? <laughs> or if I'm at a point of just being overwhelmed, I, I have to emote and cry. I'm just like, this, I just laugh. Like this day is really teaching me something. I don't know what it's supposed to teach me, but it's yours. I, I'm done. I can't, can't exert my will anymore. It's exhausting. When I'm in self-will, I'm exhausted. Like if I'm in conflict with anyone, anything, any idea, including myself and life, like I'm in self-will and I'm blocked. Um, and usually that's the step 10 idea of, um, a spot check inventory or getting on the phone with someone and walking through this, uh, this disturbance that just keeps poking at my ribs or whatever it is. that keeps showing up a, a belief. It's the same belief. I'm not good enough or some sort of, uh, I'm unlovable, whatever it is at a core level. Like I fear God taking hundred percent control of my life. Like I, <laughs> My self-will does not want to let go of control. Like whatever it is, like those things are practices that are part of my daily practice that really help me align. Getting on the phone with others, receiving phone calls, giving calls, um, and it's always different. It's always evolving. But um, as I mentioned on the share, that step eleven between page eighty six and seven, I used to wake. That was part of my practice in the morning. Read through those, meditate. Um, right there in the big book and who knows I may return to that reading that daily but um, what I am engaged in spiritually evolves week by week year over year and um, and I love that that recovery changes life changes as we move forward thank you Thanks, Cynthia C., for your question. Next question comes from Pam M. Hi, Pam M. in upstate New York. Thanks, Chris, for your share. And I love that you're using mindfulness meditation and pranayama in your um, 11-step journey. So um, my question, very simple. Uh, You had mentioned grand sponsor. And I was wondering if you could explain what that means. Thanks. Hi, Pam. Absolutely. a grand sponsor is a sponsor of my sponsor or, um, yeah, just like a, an addition, like a, a seasoned sponsor. I was, they would be humble too and say like, yes, you know, I'm, they're not the grand, uh, <laughs> piano of sponsors. 
there is just the lineage of uh, like a grandfather, grandparent. Um, but we're at no hierarchy by any means. We're all at different stages of our recovery, all equal. Thanks, Pam, for the question. Next, we have Sharon S. Yes, this is Sharon F., um, compulsive eater in Ecuador. And Chris, thank you so much for your incredible share. Um, I really appreciate hearing your experience, strength, and hope um, in connecting to power and spirit. My question is, have have you ever, I've experienced um, many spiritual experiences and miracles in my life since I've been in, in recovery. And I try in the mornings to turn my will and my life over and surrender and accept. But have you ever had um, a situation that seemed intolerable and you did that and you it didn't seem like you were getting a response from your higher power or um, you couldn't see what the response was if you were? Um, if you have, can you share a little bit on that? I'd really appreciate it. Thank you, Sharon, in Ecuador. Um, yes, I'm a, that's a really good question. I'm, my initial response is yes, I've had that uh, several times a year, and that's part of recovery. That's part of my life, and I'm thinking of one in particular. I'll take a moment here. Yeah, so um, intolerable. I mean, in my experience, it would be with my um, my mother. Shoot, <laughs> the chorus level, my my teacher of all teachers of who I am, how I'm showing up in the world, what beliefs I have, and uh, my reactions to life. So, I would have a conversation with my mother, um, really dramatic, uh, really. Um, you know, critical, whatever it was. And she wasn't in the room. We weren't on the phone. Like she was living in Boston. I was in St. Louis and, but we were having this conversation. (laughs) And that's how I lived uh, much of my life. Um, I brought that uh, resentments upon resentments upon, you know, chefing up this drama stewing is a good way to put it. Like not resolving an issue comment or whatever and just holding on to it not processing it that's a new practice for me is processing these things um full circle uh, moving in like with my folks there and 16 uh, out of my brothers i found that like i'm gonna meet this with a good good head on my shoulders it's gonna be great and um i found that whole situation intolerable i'm living in the basement paying rent and I'm hearing stomping on the floor or, or I can't meal prep and practice step one or whatever it is. Like I'm just disturbed around her. And that whole situation was intolerable. Anything she said, I, at my chorus level share, I mean, Sharon, I actually would, well, here's, here's one. I just, I would brush my teeth and I still brush my teeth after I eat, but, um, I think she said something about my breath or something. And my mind looked back at that. And I was like, I could have physically slammed my own mother against the wall with 
how much anger and this pain, this fear of the pain of shame that I thought I was exerting. That whole situation was intolerable. And yet I was able to not instantaneously um, ask for God, not instantaneously did God arrive, but called sponsors and grand sponsors and tribe and did the work, did an inventory on it and looked at my part, what this meant. And I'm called to share this, these three words, any situation in program and any situation with God in my life, it's not them. I own a hundred percent of my thoughts, my beliefs, my reaction. And through that, through that work, I don't know. I couldn't tell you how many months or years where I eventually I lived with them for four years and it wasn't turmoil for four years. There was definitely spiritual growth, but I don't know what point <laughs> that first year or where the neutrality came, but she didn't change. <laughs> Maybe she changed in reaction to this new spiritual awakening that I was living and, and exuding and, and vibrating, but um, I found that entire situation intolerable. Um, and, um, and yet I'm neutral. If my mom has something to say or something I may have reacted to, that's, that's real neutrality. When I react differently to something I had a resentment that owned me or that fear that killed me deep down. And now I don't have a reaction. And sometimes I need a sponsor to say, Whoa, wait a second. Let our ego discounts that and doesn't recognize it, but that's a victory. That's a spiritual awakening. That's a spiritual experience that I have to own name and claim and honor God with. I, I did not do that by myself. And, um, I don't know if that makes sense, but it wasn't definite. It wasn't like, yes, this is going to happen now, nah, my terms. It really happened over time and through work in other areas. And all the while, it wasn't like I was just working at one piece and concentrating on it. Um, the, more I, the more I think about something, the more energy goes to it. The more I try to stop thinking about something, the more energy goes to it. So it was all a spiritual experience, but... Um, what I would have liked to happen definitely didn't happen. I would have liked for her to say, Hey, I'm wrong in every which way. And I am the root of all your troubles. And yes, I will change fully in honor and do things as you wish. And here's step three. Like I am, I'm the actor. I'm the, um, I'm the agent. God's the, the new employer, my newfound best friend. And, um, it's really, it's shown a light on, uh, on this new life, and I'm, I'm grateful for it. Thanks for the question. Thanks, Sharon F. Catherine K., your turn to pose a question. Good morning. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, Leah. I was wondering, when you were talking about ego, is there an aha action that helped you crush your ego? Thank you. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, well, my, my ego is still there. It's something that my, 
that God gave me as part of survival. Um, it's something I still honor, but uh, in terms of ego dominance and self-reliance dominance and crushing, it was really 2015. I mean, the, the step three practice that continues surrendering. Like, it is my job to surrender fully and 100% to trust God. And that's fleeting. That's okay. But um, my ego will still show up with areas of self, ambition. Um, I need to succeed, win. And I love that I can't do this alone to see these things. Um, you know, part of my uh, my ego will seek external validation and fear-based thinking, fear-based people-pleasing, whatever it is, I will actually inadvertently, subconsciously seek to earn love. I will do these things that are insane. I don't realize that I'm doing them, but I can return to the truth knowing that I don't have to earn this unconditional love, that I'm a child of God, that I am inherently intrinsically valuable, I'm loved, lovable, and uh, answer your question, prayer, and cultivating that dialogue continuously throughout the day when I do feel disturbed, a uh, practice that's really helped me, continues to help me. I can put my hand on the wall or on it. I love saying hello to the trees. Uh, whatever it is, I can put my hand out on um, the big book here right now and just say, beneath the material world exists an all-powerful, infinite guiding light of love, creative intelligence. I created all the atoms, all the energy in the universe that I'm dependent on, that I'm a part of, that loves me unconditionally and gives me intuition. Through surrender, I received the power to carry out this intuition. And those things really helped me um, understand even the story of the, the grandfather fish, goldfish, and the grandchild goldfish. The goldfish grandchild said, you know, what, what's water? <laughs> like, it's like me aimlessly wandering around in this universe with this energy that I'm the source that's everywhere. God is everywhere. I'm dependent on it. And I kind of wander around blind to it when I'm an ego. God is everywhere. Thank you for your question. Thanks, Catherine. Kathy Joe P., you're up. Good morning. This is Kathy Jo P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Minneapolis. Thank you so much, Chris, for your beautiful share, humble share with a lot of hope. Um, in the very beginning, you talked about the God moment when you realized you didn't want to go eat when you helped someone else. I would just like to hear more and have you expand about you working with others. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy Jo P. Um, it only takes two to make a meeting. Um, two compulsive overeaters on the phone. Live action is my best experience. Um, live in person, being honest, gut level, being vulnerable at the gut level, putting everything out on the table, all the cards. That honesty is true. Source for me is I am, I am a compulsive overeater. When I say that, that common denominator, it has power. 
say I am powerless in a room of like-minded individuals, power flows into that like no other scenario. If I say that at Bush Stadium or uh, at work or wherever um, on Facebook, it doesn't have juice. Um, when I can talk about something that's so core, like a belief, doing the inventory, like this is how I'm showing up, and this is how I'm spiritually sick, power flows into that conversation. Sharing a spiritual experience, sharing an asset of recovery where someone else may cry, as I did when I shared something that resonated or when I heard something that resonated with me, like, whoa, that's, that's me at my core sickness. I, that's my experience, too, and I would cry. I would heal. And that power flows into my life and heals the obsession. It gives me the peace of mind I'm seeking over those thoughts that just own and dominate my life. Um, and I don't know what we were talking about outside of fellowship, but that's how we were, we became, um, fellows. That's how we found ourselves in the meeting and parts not after the meeting, after the meeting, the fellowship after the fellowship. And that's how, when I was a drowning man in 2015 and didn't have a phone service, I could still make outbound phone calls and I would pound the phone. I mean, I guess God wanted me as I was in telesales early on in life and in sales, like I had that no problem. I wasn't selling anything. I was looking for service. I was in action. I was trying to recreate that miracle through service, through sponsoring, through the work, because peace is all I've ever sought. Um, A good existence free from the obsession and living in my purpose, living this life that I never would have dreamed of. It actually can happen. And um, it begins with um, with the fellowship, with the meeting, with that honesty for me that I can't really display um, when I'm out in the world. Uh, you know, I don't wear a shirt that says I'm powerless, we're anonymous, but what I'm saying is that this, the power exists with like-minded compulsive readers, like-minded people that have worked to program spiritual sickness and overcome and know what spiritual growth looks like. They know what sanity looks like in their life and they can share on that. They can listen and they can um, interact. That uh, unity comes to mind, that fellowship, service, and um, it escapes me the other, the third one, but um, recovery. I mean, all of it is just in line with this new experience that uh, that I love. I'm continually uh, evolving and uh, and living with you all. Thank you. Thanks, Kathy Joe P. Suri C. Your turn to pose a question. Yes. Hi. This is Suri C. Compulsive Overeater. Um, so. My question was, you spoke about um, the like feeling like you were living a double life. When you um, were dealing with, um, like, how did, a, let's say, for example, a 10-step show up? So, like, if you were amongst other people and you felt the need for a 10-step, um, what, what, 
language could you use or did you find that you used for yourself to reset at that time? Um, and then in terms of uh, the duality, um, when it comes to things like where you're putting in a lot of effort, like your finances, um, like relationships, um, what is that, like how do you balance between, you know, feeling like it's your effort and feeling like it's, it, you know, is it odd or is it God? Um, thank you. Thank you for the question. Um, well, the double life definitely led to the to one life. To, to really a step twelve is what we're we're talking about. Um, displaying and practicing this principle in all of my affairs. So at work, at family, all the relationships. But um, doing a ten step middle of the day busy work colleague whatever it is um doing a spot check inventory i may have to write something down like okay it's this person i need to set this aside god help me set this aside until i can get to it i mean it may just be that it's so busy right then and there i need to have a prayer to set it aside for another time or i may be so disturbed I'm actually fortunate enough to go take a five minute break or 10 minutes and do the inventory. Um, and there's many other ways that are outside, um, that are other ways of detachment that are step 11 ways. Um, one I could think of a quick one, like the turnaround that I've used from uh, Katie Byron's or a different paraphrase, but basically it, it's like a step six and seven, or, or I should say the columns of how I'm showing up, what the belief is, and how God would have me show up. It's those ideas of, well, this is the belief. I need this person to to like me, to respect me. I look up the word respect, which I recently did for the first time, and it says to esteem someone. Wow. I'm seeking self-esteem through someone else. And... um that belief, like if I don't receive their esteem, I'm not going to be okay. Um, I'm going to be in harm. And then asking, how do I show up? Like, what do I feel and experience when I show up that way? Well, it sucks. I'm bummed out. I'm blocked. I'm uh, fearful. I'm resentful. I'm, I'm retaliating. I, uh, I'm controlling. I'm like uh, a little kid on a uh, big pig pen on Charlie Brown with this cloud of smoke. I'm just the evil octopus lady from a uh, little mermaid. I'm just blocking, you know, Gargamel from Smurfs, whatever you want to <laughs> reference. So I'm just blocking everyone. And I'm just, I'm Tasmanian devil, you know, I'm ripping it up. That's not how I want to show up in that belief. How would God have me be? What would I be? Who would I be if I was uh, able to have amnesia over that belief and unable to believe that other people give me my esteem, that other people give me my love and I need to earn it. Well, I would be free. It would be blissful. I could be joyous. I could be vibrating with love. I could accept everything as it happens. I could actually be of highest and best purpose. I could be of maximum use to others. Um, and that's kind of how I balance. I mean, in the, in the midst of chaos, in the big book, we see, um, we meet chaos with and calamity with serenity. You know, I used to be a deer in headlights with certain things. 
even good things. I was so blocked and so out of it. Someone would give me money or something or whatever it was. And I'd see it as a, you know, I wouldn't see it right. I'd receive it as something that fed into a belief based on fear. Again, I'm projecting onto the world that which I see. And I want to see with God's eyes. I want to see myself. I want to see the world in a new loving way with a new pair of glasses, as Chuck C would say. But um, the balance comes through practice and comes through a lot of work. And um, it is possible. It's possible even without a phone, without uh, without money. <laughs> and um, it, it's okay. It can happen for each and every one of us. Thank you. Thank you, Suri C. We have time for one more question, perhaps. Anyone like to pose a question? Star one to unmute. This is Wendy B. I'd like to ask a question. Go right ahead, Wendy. Um, so I heard you in the beginning of your share saying you're learning to welcome in how I don't need to see the outcome, you know, like like not knowing how things are going to play out, um, you know, not knowing how today is going to go. <laughs> and I can just feel the anxiety, you know, clenching in my stomach, <laughs> you know, at that at that not knowing. And I was just wondering if you could expound on um, how you deal with, with that. Thank you. Wendy B. Yes, I, uh, I divert to singing and humor, and that's it. No. <laughs> Wendy, thank you for your question. You are not alone. We are alike in that um, not knowing. It, wow. That's how I lived my life, and uh, I needed to go this way. And, um, yes, I was very anxious and still can be if it doesn't go this way. Uh, but God has a plan. Like, I'll share that prayer that the other visionary gifted me with um, five years ago. I'm yours and I trust you. God, I am yours and I trust you. Uh, different prayers that, um, that helped me were St. Francis prayer. Uh, look to this day. I mean, for the very day of these different ideas of where there is darkness, light up the darkness. Help me so much, so not much to be loved than to love. Like, how can I contribute to this day? You know, I'm reminded of um, page 62 here. And being this, um, of everything, we alcoholics must be rid of the selfishness. We must or it kills us. God makes that possible. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his aid. And in the other 63s, we felt this new power flow and we enjoyed a peace of mind. We discovered we could face life successfully. We became conscious of his presence. We became, we began to lose our fear of today, or lose our fear of tomorrow. Hereafter, we were reborn. We're now in step three. And that's step three in itself of this idea of I'm along for the ride. I'm not at the wheel. I'm allowing everything to unfold. Even praying in traffic and I'm down the road, all these cars are outside of me. Um, 
I had no idea last month would happen the way it happened uh, or all the different parts and the factories that built these cars to ship over the seas, the great Atlantic that arrived at port to the transport to everyone I'm dependent on at my job to unfold the way it did. And, um, and it, it takes practice of really surrendering, of really aligning with however it may happen as it was meant to happen that exact way of aligning with this new existence and this fourth dimension that <laughs> it says it's okay whatever way it happens it doesn't mean i'm going to go lie down in traffic i can still use my intuition i can still ask for intuition which way should i go um, and that's something i look most forward to is to developing my intuition what what is my intuition telling me would I rather have peace right now over the day and circumstances or I am so used to living in that anxiety and that uh, cruise control. Let's get busy. Let's fly through momentum. I want the clock to fly by so I can just clock out or so I can just go home like this active, like wherever I go, that's who I am. I just want to go home. Like that's my goal. Go home. <laughs> I've heard that uh, in a stand up recently, but and just, um, it's a great question because we are so alike and I love talking about spiritual experiences as in having a new one when we get to surrender and have a new experience in life that, um, you know, the weekends used to scare me because I didn't have structure around the weekend. What am I going to do? It's like this free time. I'm watching the clock. This, um, what do I do with the days? I'm not being told what to do. I, I, I can create this day. I can ask God what I can do with that day. I can be on a meeting. What is it? Sunday, April 18th, 2021. It's a one-time deal. We're here and we're now. We're being present. There is meaning and purpose in this day and in this moment. <laughs> Thank you so much for your question. Thank you, Wendy B. Thanks to everybody who posed questions this morning. And, of course, thank you, Chris. It's been such a delight and a joy to spend some time with you today hearing about your remarkable transformation. Such a message of hope and possibility. Thank you, Chris. Again, the share ID for this morning, 16,788-16788. We will close now from page 164. Of course, you know it comes from a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.